Welcome, folks, and welcome to episode 32 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Uh, we are recording this on Monday, October 5th, and I am your host this week. I am Donald Wine, a.k.a. Blazing DW on the DBR forums. Also joining me, we have Sam, a.k.a. Dev11. He's reporting from Denver. Sam, how's it going? Hey, um, my apologies in advance that uh, I'm recording from a phone today. Couldn't get home in time to uh, record from my from my usual setup. Oh, that's no problem. I, I, I'm recording from a phone as well uh, due to technical difficulties, but that's kind of what we live with on the DBR podcast, as you guys uh, out there probably know. You are probably wondering where Jason is. He is, uh, he is out today. He's out sick, so we wish him well, but he insisted that the show go on um, because of what we have going on for uh, this podcast. Let's kick it out with uh, our first guest, or actually our, our main guest. Um, he is somebody that needs no introduction, and if I try to start, he, it would probably take two hours for you to listen because it is that awesome. So I'm going to kick it to uh, the interview that we recorded earlier and take it away. And as we highlighted in the first part of this uh, intro, we are joined in this 32nd episode of the DBR podcast by a man who really needs no introduction. He has been covering Duke basketball for a long time, some of it with the Durham Herald Sun. He also contributes to the blog at Duke Basketball Report. But anything this man writes, you should read it because it is some of the best writing in the business of any kind. Al Featherston, it is an honor to have you on the DBR podcast. Welcome. Well, thanks for inviting me and thanks for the kind words. So how we're going to do this is we're going to start with some football since we're coming off of the uh, game last weekend and homecoming. So Sam is going to have some questions on football, and then later on we'll discuss some basketball. Does that work for you? That works fine. Great. Okay. Great. Take it away, Sam. All right. Thanks, Donald. Uh, Al, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Um, I know Donald gave you a brief intro, but uh, I guess to start, just kind of tell us, you know, your – Give us like the rundown of your career covering Duke and the ACC. I know that um, you're you're one of those people that seems to have as much knowledge as anybody uh, when it comes to Duke basketball and, and the ACC. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I kind of grew up in a Duke family. My father went to Duke right after World War II, and so I grew up going to Duke games. One of my earlier memories is covering the 1960 Duke Navy, or going to the 1960 Duke Navy game, and then that same year was my first ACC tournament, so I followed Duke from there. Uh, I've been a sports writer since the early 70s. Um, I attended Duke, and, and so I was around in, in the late 60s, early 70s. In the early 70s, I started work at the Burlington Times News, and then with the, the Durham uh, Sun, the afternoon paper. I was there until we merged with the Herald Sun, and with the Herald became, you know, the one paper in, in 1992. And I was there until I got laid off in 2005. So I've covered Duke and the ACC pretty much my whole life. So it's uh, it's been a long, long road. And now you're and now you're writing at, at Go Duke and at Duke Basketball Report, is that right? Yeah, I, I write pretty much uh, people who pay me. I have a monthly column for Basketball Times, uh, I do write for Go Duke uh, and for Go Duke the magazine and, and for the DBR. It, it's uh, one of my main outlets. So, um, uh, well, great. It, it's um, so you bring a lot, bring a lot to the table. And as Donald said, we're gonna kind of start with football. So I'll ask some football questions, and then we'll go back to Donald for some basketball. 
so obviously this weekend Duke won a uh, a slightly rain-soaked affair against Boston College at Brooksfield at Wallace Wade Stadium, which is what we're now calling it. And uh, the game had a few interesting points. I want to start on the offense. Um, there were stretches of this game, particularly early, where Duke seemed to be moving the ball well. Um, but the ultimately, the results didn't really show up on the scoreboard. Duke obviously ended the game having only scored three field goals. It's the first time that um, they hadn't scored a touchdown and a win in, since like the 70s or 80s. Um, so 1978. How, 1978. See, see, I knew we were going to like having Al on. Well, um, that's an interesting story, by the way, if you have a second. Uh, yeah, go for it. Um, Duke was having a mediocre year, and the week before the Wake Forest game, four major players, including the starting quarterback, the best wide receiver, and the best running back, revolted and, and essentially called for Mike McGee to be fired. Uh, he kicked them off the team, obviously. The team went out the next week and beat Wake Forest, which was very bad at that time. Beat them three to nothing. And after the game, Mike McGee said that's the, one of the greatest victories in Duke history. So that's an interesting I don't think that anyone is going to refer to the Boston College this game this, game this week as one of the best wins in program history. Um, but it did happen. And uh, so looking at the offense kind of in general and at, at quarterback Thomas Sirk specifically, um, where do you think Sirk is as far as, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think there were a lot of, a lot of the coaches were saying a lot of really good things about him, about how, I mean, how strong his arm was and how well he was going to play in this offense. And the results until, like up to this point really haven't been, I think, matching those expectations. How far along do you think he is in that progression as far as maybe where he'll be at the end of this year, where he's going to be at the end of his career, as far as his talent matching his production? Uh, I, I think he's learning. He's on a learning curve, and I, I do think the Boston College game was his best individual performance. I mean, obviously opposed to Tulane and North Carolina Central, which were a different level of competition. But Duke has played three quality teams, three quality defenses, and I think his performance against Boston College was a big step forward from what we saw against Georgia Tech and Northwestern. The one thing, he threw the ball down the field. He averaged almost 11 yards of completion. Uh, he, he had 195 yards passing, which is significantly more than anybody else has had against Boston College, including Florida State, which uh, had 119 yards passing against them. Um, in addition to the, to the uh, 195 yards, he provoked three pass interference penalties, and what Cutcliffe said after looking at the film was he had five drops. So it was a really significantly advanced performance by Sir. If there's an offensive problem in that game, it was the breakdown of the running game. And that, again, part of that has to do with Boston College's defense. It's, it's the best rushing defense in the country. Um, Florida, no one has gotten 100 yards against them. Um, Duke only got 33, um, and I asked him at Sunday night if if, I, if that was breakdown of execution by Duke or or something else, and he did say there were some execution problems in the running game. So that's definitely something that has to be addressed. the The offense is clearly a work in progress. Well, I, you you're actually leading me well to my next class question was about the offensive line. Um, I think at the beginning of the season we looked at the offensive line as a big strength. And as you mentioned, the, the, in the rushing game this week, there seemed to be some breakdowns. Uh, can you point specifically to any players you think that uh, maybe didn't hold their own on the line this week, or was it, or was it a collective effort? 
I think it was a collective effort. Um, and, and I'm not that down on the line. It, it was, if it was based on this performance, yes, but it's still a team that's going to have three sacks in, in five games. Um, they're, they're still getting positive yardage. Last year they, like, led the nation in least number of negative yardage plays. I think they're still right in the top three or four in the country this year in that. Um, it's not a horrible performance, but there are some growing pains in the lane. In the line. They've had some injury problems. One of them is Cody Robinson hadn't been able to play, and he would have been the top backup up front. When Lucas Patrick got hurt Saturday, uh, they had to bring in Austin Davis, uh, who hasn't played very much, to, to take his place. And, and that was the period where they got stuck on the goal line um, four times. So Patrick did come back later in the game and play, but there's not much depth there. So that, that is something that we have to look into. And then looking at the passing game, um, there's there was a lot of focus, I think, on Cirque being able to use a lot of different weapons this year, one of them being uh, six-year senior Braxton Deaver at tight end. And Deaver hasn't really been targeted a lot this year. He uh, he did have a have a nice catch in the game on Saturday. Um, where you know, do you think that that they're working to get him more integrated into the offense, and do you think his production is going to pick up soon? Well, I think a lot of that's on him. Um, it, it depends on the routes he runs and and the and whether he can get himself open. Um, you know, a lot of times the quarterback takes the blame when receivers don't do things right. And I know that I'm not targeting deeper, but there, there are times in this offense where people have made mistakes and it's made circle of bad, and it's not his fault. So, right. It, it, yeah, it, it is. The receivers are, as a group, are young, and um, it's 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 all like the offensive line has some new faces and certs new. So it's taking a little while to come together. Um, let's move to the side of the ball where Duke has been really dominant so far this year on the defense. Um, specifically safety Jeremy Cash, who's been all over the field. It seems like on almost every play where the opposition has lost yards, Cash has been in the backfield either making the tackle or making, uh, you know, a, a part of the tackle. Um, his Obviously, we, we have seen him the last two years be a phenomenal player for Duke. Um, when do you, in, in your knowledge of the Duke program, when do you think is the last time we saw a player who was this dominant on the defensive side of the ball for the Blue Devils? Well, Duke has had some good safeties of Matt Daniels and some good linebackers like Vinny Ray. Uh, but uh, I don't know. You might have to go back to Mike Junkin in the mid-'80s, uh, who was a top-ten NFL draft pick, um, uh, or, or somebody like Ernie Jackson in the early-'70s, who was a cornerback who who had who was a first-team consensus All-American. We're seeing – a a great performance by one of the great players we've had in modern times. We ought to appreciate it. Um, he's leading the league in uh, tackles for loss, which is amazing coming from a safety. Uh, he's leading the league in force fumbles. Um, it, it's just a, an astonishing performance, and I hope the fans appreciate it. I, I think we do. I mean, it, it, if you uh, you know if you're if you're looking on the forums, if you're if you're looking around the internet, it seems like. You know, there's nothing but praise and love for Jeremy Cash. I mean, he's obviously accrued a lot of uh, in-season accolades and, and has earned All-American status in some form for the last two seasons. So it feels like we appreciate it. But, yeah, you know, he's he's probably the best 
you know, the most productive player so far in the Coach Cutcliffe era. Um, and, and as you say, you have to go back a really long time to find a player who was certainly as, as productive as he was, especially on that side of the ball. Um, looking at the defensive line, there were times against Boston College, and I think specifically because they're a, a big running team, their quarterback play is not as strong, although Flutie looks pretty good when he, when he came in for them later in the game. Um, there were times when we saw four down linemen uh, this week against Boston College, which is a uh, and and guy a lot more uh, linebackers and safeties who are packing the box. Um, do you expect that that's going to be um, we're going to see more of those heavy looks in the middle uh, from the defense, or uh, is that just is that just a result of us playing a team that's that's heavily um, biased towards their running game? Well, I think it's a weapon in the arsenal, but uh, I mean when you're going back to say Army this week, Army is more about mobility and uh, Inception, so I think you'll see more like uh, with safeties playing linebacker as we as we did against Georgia Tech. Um, but there'll be teams. Pitt is a team that likes to line it up and run it down your throat. Um, I think we might see four defensive tackles in that one. Um, there might be times against North Carolina they do some of that. Um, yeah, we'll see it, but it won't be the base defense anymore. It wasn't even the base defense Saturday. It was only. A Used, I think, about a third of the time, but yeah, it was a it was a great innovation, a brilliant move by by Jim Knowles to to take away what they did best, what they expected to be able to do against. And it and it certainly helps that you've got guys like Cash and like Kyler Brown who are comfortable moving around uh, and and who are able to be versatile in that defense. Well, I mean, you got Dwayne Norman as a guy that starts played most of his career at safety as an out-linebacker. Greer started at safety, played linebacker, now as a defensive end. So you, you do have some flexibility there. One of the things Cutcliffe has told us several times is that um, in the secondary, he doesn't like safeties or cornerbacks. He likes guys that can play both in all positions. A lot of people would call Devon Edwards a cornerback, although he's playing safety in this system. Um, he's got guys that can play you know, multiple positions in this defense. So that that's a strength. Um, great. So looking kind of at the team overall, uh, I think that there was a lot of interesting speculation at the beginning of the year about how good they were going to be and, and sort of where their, um, where their strengths and weaknesses were. We've now been through five games. We're about to play our sixth game of the season. Uh, we've got a couple, we've had a couple of tough ACC games we've already gotten through in Georgia Tech and Boston College. Um, where do you see the team sort of in general headed into this Army game? Um, and and then therefore into their into the bye week. Um, and where do you think where do you think they're headed the rest of the season? How far do you think they can go? Sort of in the ACC, are they um, are they in contention for you know consideration the playoff? I know that there's been a little bit of mild speculation about that. Um, where do you think this team ends up based on what you've seen so far in five games? Well, um, I think next week is the or the Army game is the is the one game remaining, which is. Um, not a, I'm not going to say a sure win. It's not a sure win, but it, where Duke should win, it, where Duke would be heavily favored. After that, it, it's a, you roll the dice, and it depends on when you catch people. Uh, Virginia Tech, for instance, is getting their their quarterback Michael Brewer back. That ought to he's, he probably comes back Friday night against NC State, but he'll definitely be back against Duke in two weeks after that. Um, you know that kind of thing. Changes. The Coastal Division is so wide open. There's not a killer team in the division. Duke could 
beat anybody they're playing. They've beaten everybody in that division at least once in the last two years, and they've lost everybody except Virginia at least once in the last, well, not Georgia Tech, once in the last well, two, two meetings. Um, yeah, yeah, once in the last two meetings. So, so yeah, none of those games, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Pitt, Miami, none of them's a sure win, but none of them are games that you can't win. Uh, the, off- the defense has to maintain, you know, its level of play, and the offense has to get a little bit better. But I would expect it to get a little bit better. I think Duke is a very legitimate contender for the Coastal Division title. I, I, I keep saying I think 6-2 and two will win the division. It almost always does. And there's actually been more instances of five three teams being involved in, than seven one or eight no teams. So six and two ACC finish is not absurd for this new team with his schedule. Um, playoff and stuff like that—that's that's ridiculous. This new team doesn't have the schedule to to to, to get in the playoff with a with a loss. I don't care if it's one loss early in the season and they win nine straight games to finish up 12-1. and one. They're not going to be in the mix for, for, a, for the playoff. Um, I mean, you saw TCU and Baylor last year have better resumes at 12-1 and one, didn't get in. Um, it's not going to happen this year. Um, and that that's foolishness. But to get to the ACC championship game again, I think it's not unreasonable that they would have a better chance. They weren't quite ready in 2013 to play the, the powerhouse that Florida State was. I mean, that was the national championship thing. Um, but I don't think either Florida State or Clemson, even though they're very, very good, I don't think they're that intimidating to a team like Duke right now. So, you know, that's the, the that's the real goal, to make a run in an ACC title. And I remember Cutcliffe telling us about five years ago that his ultimate goal was to win the ACC championship. And I know there were a lot of people that laughed at that, but they came, you know, within the one game in 2013. I think they're, you know, they're almost in position for that now. So it's not an unreasonable goal. Yeah. And that, and that 2013 season, that, that run to the ACC championship game, as you mentioned, just happened to coincide with probably the best, the single best ACC team that has been, uh, has played in the conference since Cutcliffe came in, which was that 2013 uh, Florida State team that ultimately won the championship. So you you could absolutely envision another year where where it was reasonable for Duke to be close in that game. It was just that that season that that Jameis Winston team was just so good. Um, uh, all right, I think uh, I think we've gotten some good stuff on football. I'm going to turn you back over to Donald, who is going to ask you some questions about basketball season. Which I don't know if if our listeners know, basketball season is right around the corner. Um, you know, we've obviously been talking a lot about football recently, um, but basketball is coming very soon. Countdown to craziness is only in about a week and a half. So, Donald, why don't you uh, why don't you finish up with Al? Okay, uh, so let's get into basketball. As most of us know, the basketball practice season opened on Friday, and it was you know highlighted by a open practice at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Uh, I understand that you were there, Al, and we wanted to get a sense of what you saw. Um, from the team, but let's start with this question. Um, the board talk coming out of the open practice was that Sean Obi either looked tired or was lacking effort. Um, can you shed any light on what you think, you, what you saw, and what may have attributed what people were talking about? I'm not really plugged in on that. I'm, I, Coach K has a press conference tomorrow, and I was uh, 
planning to ask about that. I, I know Obi did not look good. He was he he looked slow. I don't know if he had a minor injury uh, or if if something is really wrong. Um, it, it was surprising in that I know that Coach K's history is that all of his uh, transfers are players who who come in and have an impact. They play right away. They play very well. Um, I know when I talked to Coach Capel uh, over the summer for the Blue Ribbon Basketball Yearbook, he was very, very high on Sean Obi. Um, you know, as a as a guy that probably the most powerful post player on the team, uh, kid that's a proven rebounder at a big time level, um, and had a good reputation as a defensive player. They said he worked very well against Okafor last year. Um, so. I was surprised that he was so out of it kind of Friday. And I'll be curious to follow up on that and find out if there was a problem on the illness or a minor injury. All I know is you, you don't make major judgments based on one practice or one game. You can you can be very much led astray. So we'll have to follow that story as it, as it plays out. Well, that leads into my next question, and, and you can either take this from first impressions or from what you may see as prognosis for the team going forward, who do you think, uh, who do you think on day one uh, are, are your starters for Duke? <laughs> I, I was actually working on a story about that, about how people pay more attention. So too much attention to that. Uh, let me have, bring up one little point to, to look at Duke's five national championship teams. You know, not one of them has finished with the same rotation or, or lineup as they started with been at least one major change in the starting lineup every single one of them. So the team you see in October is or early November is, is probably not going to be the team you see in March. Um, there's so much flexibility on this team. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't start with at least the two veterans, Matt Jones and um, or Grayson Allen, Matt Jones and, and Emil Jefferson, the three veterans. And then plug in probably Brandon Ingram and, uh, and Derek Thornton. Um, but he may go with the two big guys. He has more post options than I think he's ever had in a long time. And I'm sure he's interested to see how that plays out. Is Chase Jeter in the starting lineup? Is, is Marshall Plumley in the starting lineup? Um, is Obi? It was was the you know practicing out anomaly. Will he be in the starting lineup? Will it be Jefferson? Or will Ingram end up playing power forward? I think at some point this season he will. I don't think they'll start the season that way. Um, is Derek Derek Thornton is the only true point guard on this team? But I know they think Luke Kennard and uh, and even Brandon Brandon Ingram can handle some point guard duties. So, um, although the the ideal thing would be for Brandon to be more like a point forward, like Grant Hill was, um, but Grant played point guard at times. Um, when Bobby Hurley was hurt in 1992, for instance. So he's an option. And I think they just want to look at their options and, and see how it plays out. Um, I think it's foolish to start sitting here now and saying, well, this is the rotation, this is the starting lineup, this guy's going to get 20 minutes, this guy's going to get 25. Um, it, it's a great way to pass the time in the summer, but it, it's pretty meaningless. Yeah, and I, obviously it was one practice and – uh, a lot of people love to take, you know, it's, it's always the big uh, chatter talk on the board uh, about who's going to start, who's going to get minutes. It's one of the most fun and interesting debates that we usually have on the forums. Um, switching a little bit, uh, 
what returning player, I guess from your impressions from the practice, which of the returning players do you think has made uh, the most improvement uh, from the last time we saw them in April? Well, again, I don't want to put too much into one practice. Yeah, Matt, Matt looked very good, very assertive, very strong. I, I think the guy that's going to make the biggest jump over the season is is Grayson, I mean, from what he was last year. Um, obviously, we, we saw what he could be in, in the championship game, but I do expect him to be a major force this year. Um, play, if not at that level, close to it for for most of the season. And uh, on the other side, for the new guys, you know, this is a very heralded class, and um, Friday, I guess, was the first uh, time people were able to see them. But going forward, you know, which new player do you think over the course of the season is going to uh, make the most immediate impact either on the team or on or on the on the fan base? Well, I think Ingram is. I mean, it's no question he's a major talent. Uh, he's a one-and-done type talent, um, for better or worse. Um, he's that level of play. Uh, he's a very versatile player. He he can, as I said, he could be a backup point guard. He could he could be the power forward at times. Um, he's he's going to start off as small forward, I think, I guess. But uh, you're going to see him all over. He's a player. Uh, they love his ball handling and. Uh, his instincts, and uh, even though he's very thin, he's not going to push anybody around. He might slither around them, put it that way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Derek Thornton has a key role because he's the only real point guard, on, the only true point guard on this team. Um, there's another story I was trying to, to do about how Kay has, has handled freshman point guards in the past and uh, the success he's had with them. Um, but obviously, Derek's going to be compared to the guy that had the greatest freshman point guard season anybody could have, and that's probably unfair. I mean, it's unfair to think he'll be another Tyus Jones. Um, but, you know, Duke has had good point guard, freshman point guards in the past, from Tommy Amaker to Bobby Hurley to Chris Duhon. Um I think he'll be somewhere in that mix, and that'll be something to see. He's a better athlete than Tyus. Uh, he's quick. He, he has vertical leap, which more than Tyus, uh, but does he have the, the judgment, the leadership uh, on the floor that I don't think I've seen many people that have had to match Tyus. Coach K um, had recently made some comments about changing the offensive and defensive schemes, partly in, in, in uh, a response to, you know, as you said, a lot of these players can play multiple positions and can do a lot on the floor. Um, what do you think is going to be his biggest challenge, and are we seeing anything that will make fans, fans freak out as much as uh, the zone defense did uh, in the middle of last year? <laughs> well, which that was a stopgap, by the way, and anybody notices they went back to the man-to-man for the NCAA tournament and played it very well. Um, no, I think I think we're going to – if I could guess, and I, again, I need to see more before I know for sure, when, when he talks about changes – I think he's talking about playing more of a full-court game, bringing pressure more, trying to up-tempo a little more. Um, the, the, the depth he's going to have on this team is going to allow him to do that, I think. Um, but uh, that would be my guess. It would be more of an up-tempo. He's never played a slow game except two, the last part of the 2010 season was the one walk-it-up half-court team he played. But he usually likes a fast tempo, but this might be a – Roy Williams' fast tempo. Um, he did this in 98, 
when he had a very deep young team, he tried to play a very quick tempo and use a lot of people. And uh, that that may be what we see. That's, I'm just guessing, but that's what I think. Uh, you you don't think this includes like full full court presses and stuff like that, or do you think he utilizes that a little bit more than he has in the past? I, I don't think it'll be. 40 minutes of full-court press, but I think we'll see it a lot more than we have in the past. You may see picking up three-quarters court as opposed to, it's been mostly half-court pickup the last couple of years. Um, you may see a three-quarters pickup at times, and, and you may see some full-court pressure. All right, and we'll get out, we'll get you out of here with this last question and uh, bring everything full circle. Uh, this is obviously a great time for Duke football and Duke basketball. Um, has Duke ever been in better shape with the two teams than it is right now? Like, it seems like the last time we were talking about both these teams being very, very good uh, was back in the late 80s with the Spurrier teams. Yeah, uh, well, you can go back to the early 60s when Bill Murray was winning the ACC championship in football every year and Vic Bubis was mm-hmm. just starting to explode in basketball. But that's probably how far back you have to go to find anything like this. I, and I'm not even sure, well, Lewis didn't win any national championships in basketball, but uh, they were both, they were the two best programs in the ACC in the early 60s, so you'd have to go back to that. Well, let's hope that we have some uh, more championships on uh, both the basketball and football side uh, going forward, uh, hopefully this year. Um, but uh, I think that's all we have. Uh, Al Featherston, uh, thank you very much. This is it's truly an honor to, to speak with you with, with with all of that you know about Duke football and Duke basketball uh, and just Duke sports in general. Uh, So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate you asking me. Thank you very much. We'll do it again sometime. Uh, We'd love to. And once again, that was Al Featherston, uh, the the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, we can't thank him enough for joining us on the podcast. Uh, let's start with uh, uh, reactions first uh, about anything, either football or basketball. Sam, what did you think of uh, Al's words? Um, it was great talking to him. He's uh, as we mentioned, you know, he's one of the he's one of the great ACC historians, and it's it's cool that we can ask him about, you know, when's the last time that we had a we had a guy like Jeremy Cash, and he can just pull up names from the 70s and 80s, guys like Mike Junkin and, uh, and, and people like that. And I thought that was really neat. So it was, it was cool that we had him on. Um, I'm, I'm really hoping that we get to have him back uh, sometime, you know, hopefully during basketball season or maybe later in football season. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I actually thought that the, the coolest nuggets we got from that interview came from basketball. And there were two, two notes especially that, that got me excited. The first being... Um, when we were talking about the rotation at point guard, he mentioned that Brandon Ingram might be playing some point guard this year. And I don't know that I have seen that speculated so much, um, sort of around the Duke basketball media presence. Um, Brandon Ingram was obviously recruited as a as like a wing player. He may be able to play some small or some power forward. Uh, he probably projects in the NBA as a small forward. But but Al went and did it and threw out the comparison to Grant Hill and talked about how Grant Hill played some point guard for stretches in 1992 when Bobby Hurley was hurt um, and mentioned that, that Ingram might be able to, you know, be the ball handler on this team, which would be really awesome. I mean, he's, he's obviously a taller guy, he's six, eight, uh, maybe six, nine, 
Um, and if he's got the handles that, that Al says he does, I think he's going to be a really intriguing option at point guard, um, especially, you know, if, if Derek Thornton can't handle playing 30 minutes a game. I think that would be a really interesting look for Duke. And then the other thing on basketball that he talked about was playing an up-tempo style, and he specifically referenced uh, Roy Williams. And, you know, when he, when he kind of started talking about it, I wrote a little note down that was like, I wonder if he thinks it's going to look like a Roy Williams offense. And then he said it about 20 seconds after I thought about it. Um, <laughs> So, you know, obviously the team last year kind of went back and forth. Justice Winslow is a little bit more of an explosive player, but Jaleel Okafor, you know, Jaleel Okafor wasn't, wasn't leading that. I mean, he led a couple of fast breaks, um, but I wouldn't describe Jaleel Okafor as like an up-and-down, fast-paced player. Um, Tyus Jones' style of playing point guard wasn't exactly that. He was probably a medium pace for, a, for an elite college offense. Um, so if Duke is playing at a speed that we're, you know, that we think of when we think of Roy Williams teams being led by, you know, guys like Ty Lawson, um, that gets me really excited. I mean, those teams, obviously they're our, our hated rival, um, but they're a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, and I think that Duke might have the guys this year, especially if Grayson Allen, um, it improves as much as we think he's going to, you know, if the, if the big man rotation is, is a solid, you know, with Jefferson Jeter, Plumley, and Obi as we think it's going to be, and, and if Ingram is as explosive as we think he's going to be, um, that offense could be a lot of fun to watch. You know, you might not have anybody scoring, you know, regularly 20 points a game, but you could have, you know, maybe four, even five guys who are averaging in double figures and they're, they're moving the ball really quickly and, and scoring in lots of different ways. Um, you know, that's going, to be a, that's going to be a good way to beat uh, other elite ACC teams, especially, you know, when you look at Virginia, uh, Virginia who likes to slow the ball down. If Duke can speed them up, um, that's going to be really key to Duke, I think, winning the ACC this year. Yeah, and I, I focused, uh, you know, one of the things I, I took to heart definitely was the the creativity of the offense uh, in basketball and how we have multiple guys that can play multiple positions, including uh, Ingram. Um, and I think the one thing that we had last year, there were times where it was just Tyus on the, ball, on the floor with the ball, and everybody knew he had the ball um, and he was going to bring it up. And even with Quinn – um, off to the, you know, on the wing, um, also a capable ball handler, it was still Tyus in the end that had the ball. And I think it's going to be interesting to see, um, especially towards the middle of the season when we get into these late game situations where you need multiple ball handlers on the court, uh, it's going to be good to see that we're going to have uh, Thornton, Ingram, and, and, and even, you know, Luke Kennard or Grayson Allen uh, that will be capable of bringing the ball up uh, against tight pressure. So I thought that was um, very cool to see. And um, uh, I think on the football side, um, just the overall um, optimism of the, uh, of the schedule, how it lays out, um, but still being cautiously optimistic um, uh, on the offensive end um, of the football and how it's going to improve over the next few weeks. I, I think it's going to be very key um, for football to, to do that if we're going to uh, really realize these dreams of competing for the ACC championship uh, and, and, and beyond. So uh, I, I thought that was really interesting insight from him uh, on the football side. Yeah, and, and, and talking about the offense, I liked his answer to the question about Thomas Sirk, which was that, you know, the, if you just look at the stat line without any context, Sirk only had like an okay game against Boston College. When you factor in sort of how well he's played before that, and how good that Boston College defense is, I thought that Al really nailed it, that this was his best performance to date against, you know, a really good opponent. If we're, if we're talking about BC, Georgia Tech, and, and Northwestern, I think that Cirque has gotten a little bit better every game, and that we're going to continue to see him get better. You know, I think that 
Um, hopefully some of those drop passes become completed passes soon. I think there are still times when Cirque probably underthrows his guys and doesn't set them up for, um, for big yards after the catch. But you know, I, I liked his poise this week. I thought that he looked a lot better throwing the ball downfield and making decisions. Obviously the running game could have been better. Um, but, but I am encouraged by Cirque and, and, and like Al said, this Army game is sort of the last one that's, that Duke really should win. Um, so this should be another opportunity for Cirque to take another step forward. Then they have a week off where they can, where they can retool some stuff before they really get into some of these tough ACC coastal opponents because they got you know, Virginia Tech and Miami and UNC. They're all coming up soon. Um, so I, I look for Cirque to continue improving. I don't know how good he's going to be at the end of the season, um, but I think that if he gets if he if he improves a little bit each week and he he can add in um, you know making his passes a little bit more consistent, uh, keeping a lot of different receivers involved, um, I think that the offense is going to end up being okay, and that the offense being okay combined with a defense led by Jeremy Cash that has just been stellar this year um, is going to lead to Duke being competitive in every game and hopefully, as Al said, getting back to the ACC championship game with a um, with a date against, you know, either Clemson or, or Florida State, most likely. Um, yeah, I, I look forward to that. I think that, that, the, that the ceiling is high for them, especially knowing what we know about Cutcliffe's ability to work with the offense. Um, you know, the, I think the most concerning thing we saw in the football game this weekend was that, um, was that very short drive that ended in no points when um, Breon Borders uh, recovered, the, recovered the ball on the dropped punt, and then we – uh, and then we failed to score on a on a first and goal from the one yard line. Um, I think that was concerning. I'm I'm curious to to see how Duke handles those those short yardage goal line situations this week against Army. Uh, if any of that improves, or you know, it might just be that Boston College defense, which has been so stout this year against um, in short yardage situations and against the run. Um, you know, I think that this this probably ends up being the best defense that we get to see this year. Um, so you know, the lessons learned from from Scoring nine points against Boston College may not be as as striking as as one might think. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, you know, Boston College is three and two, but I mean, their two losses to, to us in Florida State were where their defense was very, very efficient in shutting down the opposing team's offense, and it's just that they just didn't have any enough points at the end to win. Um, and I, you know, I think I do agree that this was one of the better defenses that we will see all year. Um, but there's off, there's obviously room for improvement on the offensive end. Uh, I, I feel like once the bye week happens, then there's going to be uh, it's a good chance for this team to take a breath and just kind of hold it in and say, okay, now we have the meat of our lineup uh, coming up. There there would be Virginia Tech, then um, Miami, and then UNC, three of the teams that at the beginning of the season um, everyone was picked to or picking to win. Uh, the Coastal Division, uh, along with Georgia Tech. So uh, if we can get through those three weeks, um, we're in great shape in, in, in you know, final third of the season. Um, but we want to make sure that we are uh, all ready to go uh, with that bye week and use that bye week efficiently uh, to uh, make that happen. Yeah, uh, and, I want to – go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to finish by saying that I, I like the timing of the bye week. I think we, it could have been a week later, um, but it's good that we – that will like face a few different kinds of teams before the bye week. We'll get to we'll get some opportunities to retool before they before they hit the that tough part of the coastal schedule. Um, having the win against Georgia Tech early is is really solid for this team and it gives them a good foundation, especially and it puts them in a great position, obviously, to win the division. 
Um, you know, as Al said, they're probably only going to have to go six and two to do it, which means they're getting four wins um, the rest of the way against, you know, Virginia Tech, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, North Carolina, and Miami. Uh, I think that all of those games are winnable. I don't think that Duke will win all of those games, um, but they're certainly winnable. And, and, and so the, the path to the championship seems very, um, seems a lot clearer now, I think, than it did a couple weeks ago for us. Yeah, and, and I, I do agree that the bye week comes at, you know, almost the perfect time is right in the middle of the season. You never like it when it's too early or too late um, because that's kind of how injuries kind of mount and affect the team's play. And I think it's at a perfect time where any nagging injuries or, or, or setbacks in that, in that department can be worked out um, right in the middle of the season and be fresh for uh, the stretch run. So I think we're, we're coming up at a pretty good time. Um, let's shift forward uh, for football. Um, we we kind of covered Boston College, but let's uh, start with the game this coming weekend against Army. Um, as you know, it's a triple offense or triple option offense, I should say, uh, similar to what we uh, saw against Georgia Tech, where it seemed like we handled that pretty well. But what are you, what are your takeaways, or actually, let's give a preview of what you think we should expect from that game uh, that may be similar or different to what we saw against Georgia Tech. I mean, I, I think that Army is going to be very similar to Georgia Tech, but with not with not as talented a player. Uh, a lot, or the general offensive talent is not going to be as good as it was against Georgia Tech. Um, so I look for uh, I look for Duke to be to be dominant in this game from the beginning. Uh, I'm hoping that it looks more like our non-conference games the first two of the season as opposed to the third one against Northwestern. Um, and uh, and I hope that they're fired up to play. I think that it's really cool they get to play at West Point. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of uh, a lot of pomp and circumstance that goes into those um, military academy games. I wish I was going; it'd be really fun. Um, yeah, same here. But but um, but I'm looking I'm looking forward to Duke um, playing an efficient game. Uh, the most important thing I think is to see uh, to see steps from the offense. I want to see them, you know, completing um, longer passes to more guys. Uh, I want to see the running backs get on, you know, get out to the corners a little more, um, create create yardage that they were able to do, I think, against some other opponents and that they were really not able to do against Boston College. And then the offensive line, I think, just needs to, you know, look a little look a little stronger. Um, they should do that against an Army team that is, is certainly not as talented on the defensive side of the ball as, as Northwestern – or as uh, Boston College, rather. Um, so, in general, uh, looking for a game that Duke should, should hopefully be very solid and should be able to put away early. Um, this might be – you know, one of the last opportunities for for the team to have a a big victory this year. I don't think that any of the rest of the games, you know, maybe except for Wake Forest, are going to be um, are going to be easier games for this Duke team. Yeah, I, I like everything that you said, um, especially on the uh, on the defensive side of, of slowing down the triple option. I I agree that um, if they do what they did against Georgia Tech, we're in very good shape on defense uh, on offense. I'd like to see the passing game um, be a little bit better um, than it was. Um, we had a lot of great plays, and, and as Cirque improves over the season, I think we'll see a lot of those big plays that are just missing, whether it's uh, uh, balls being dropped or, or short or too long passes. Uh, I think we're going to start connecting on a lot of those, and I think that's going to help us build our offense during the rest of the season because that will open up our running game as well, and I think – that's going to be the, the jolt in the arm that the running game needs um, to maintain what it's been doing with the exception of, of this past weekend. I think it's been pretty good on the season uh, overall. So, um, and as we work uh, Jill Duncan back into the offense, 
uh, Sean Wilson hopefully will get more carries, and, and Shaq Powell continuing to handle the bulk of the offense, it seems. We'll, we'll be able to uh, rely on them a lot more, and not so much on fourth and uh, third and short um, uh, plays with uh, Thomas Sirk either uh, running up the middle or, or doing a dump-off pass. Um, hopefully we will be able to stretch the defense a little bit more on first and second down as well. So I think that's going to be the key um, to uh, to victory. But our defense, uh, I, I'm not too worried about them. I think if they play the way they did against Georgia Tech and they, the way they've been doing the whole season, I think we're in pretty good shape. And I think uh, we're going to see I, more of that more of that packed in um, defense because Boston College, or uh, rather Army, is a, is a strong running team. Um, they've got a number of guys who are capable of of running the ball in that triple option offense. Their quarterback, uh, Ahmad Bradshaw, is very good at running, and then they have a number of running backs who have been really productive this season. So, um, you know, look for look for guys like Jeremy Cash and Dwayne Norman to be, you know, disruptive uh, along the line again this week and not out in the uh, in the defensive backfield. Um, tackling is going to be really important on this, on this strong running uh, Army team. Well said. Uh, I- what else do we want to talk about? Uh, basketball? Um, were you able to take a look at the practice? I wasn't. Um, it was uh, it was uh, during the workday for me, and I lived too far away to, to make the excuse to cut out and watch it. Um, but I was reading everybody's reactions on the forum. And, and you know, the, I think Al had, had the right idea of it on the Sean Obie thing. It's too early to tell. There's a million things that could have been wrong with him that are nothing that will be gone by, you know, if not today, next week or something. Um, they've got a lot of time to, to still integrate him into the office. And, you know, if he's, if he's not as productive this year as maybe we think he's going to be, um, as Al said, there's a, there's a deep rotation at a, in the big man spots. Um, so I, I think that the, the big man rotation is going to be interesting to watch. I think that there are, um, you know, the, the four, uh, the four kind of the power forward center guys, you know, Jefferson and Plumley, the two older ones, and then Obi and, and Jeter, the new guys. Um, they all bring a slightly different skill set. There's not, you know, one guy who's obviously doing something just better than somebody else in every way. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that rotation shakes out. I am very excited to have this basketball season get started. I'm looking forward to countdown to craziness. Uh, I don't think there's anything in particular. Um, back on the football side, the one thing is that Ross Martin continues to be an awesome place kicker. Uh, he made a 53-yard field goal into the win this week, which was crucial to to sealing the victory against Boston College. Show so uh, a good play on him, and uh, I don't know. I think that's uh, I think that's all I got for this week. What about you? Yeah, I, I think that's it for me. You know, I I really like the way that this uh, uh, that this team will flow, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing them at Countdown to Craziness in a couple of weeks. I think that's going to be the first opportunity where we can really gauge what's in coach K's mind as far as uh, rotations and who's going to start and all the questions that we've uh, been clamoring about all summer long, because there has not been basketball to watch, but finally in a couple of weeks, there will be basketball to watch. And, and I can't be more excited that it's coming. Um, I, I'm waiting. I, I saw the new jerseys came out. Um, my last little tidbit, the new jerseys came out. Um, they look fantastic. They're as, as expected, the, a hybrid between the hyper elites that we wore during the tournament last year and the Fobacks um, <laughs> that we wore during the season. Um, so there is, uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, that they're online. They're they're awesome. They they have eliminated the black trim, um, which is the biggest uh, uh, yes please um, that I saw. Um, and it's just very you know very simple, um, but I think still very elegant. And we're going to look good in them, especially when we're beating the likes of Kentucky and, and UNC in them. 
Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the jerseys look really cool this year, and I'm excited to finally see them in action, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, I guess if that's if that's all, um, I oh, think we can wrap this one up. More, one, oh. more thing, one more thing that I did want to bring up. Um, I brought this up on the forum earlier. I posted a thread about it. Um, as Obviously, basketball season is coming. Um, we'll have Jason back you know, subsequently here soon. Uh, I posted a thread asking folks on the forum for ideas for how they want us to tackle the basketball season preview. I think we'll do kind of a full-up basketball preview in a few weeks, uh, maybe once we've seen Countdown to Craziness. So if you have ideas about things you, you know, like fun ways you want us to cover it, maybe do like silly predictions or, or if there are guest ideas you have or, or really anything, um, put it in that thread so that we can look it over. Uh, hopefully we're not just giving you like a, you know, here are the point guards and here are the shooting guards. And, you know, we want to make it a little bit more fun than that. Um, and, and we are, we are obviously here for, for our, our peers out there in the, uh, in the dorky segment of the Duke basketball fan community. Absolutely, and and I, we do appreciate uh, related to that. We appreciate the feedback from uh, that we got uh, after the Laura Keeley episode um, from last week. Yeah, um, absolutely. That kind of feedback is much appreciated because we 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 do this for you guys. So um, if you guys want to see something or or don't want to hear from uh, about something, let us know. If if uh, if you think that I talk about jerseys too much, I will try to limit it. If you think I don't talk about them enough, I will step it up. It's, it's all about what the fans want. Um, all five of you that are listening. And if you somehow stumbled on this show from iTunes or on Stitcher by searching for Duke Basketball uh, and you don't know what we're talking about, please come visit us on the forums at forums.dukebasketballreport.com and let us know what you think. Absolutely. So with that, uh, I think we will end it here. Uh, On behalf of Jason and for Sam, um, my name is Donald. Thank you very much. And Duke Band, take us home. (laughs) 